right, let's do it. So Lori, to get started, why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself? Yes, uh, thank you so much, Josh. So uh, I'm Lori DePace. I work at Publicis Health on the Early Careers team. I have been with Publicis Health now for over 13 years, which is just so wild to think about, absolutely wild. Uh, I started in 2009, which, you know, great time to be unemployed. <laughs> uh, and uh, essentially, I had lost my job at the beginning of 2009. I had been working for a nonprofit. Um, and in December of 2009, a temp agency that I had signed up with was like, there, it's not an executive assistant job, but like it's it's got some like assistant type stuff to it um, and uh, it's calendar management a little bit and they'll pay you 17 an hour and you don't have to interview. And I was like, done, <laughs> done. And that was a recruiting coordinator position. And I at Publicis and I never looked back. I, I kind of joined, realized like, oh, I, I like this. I like talking to people. I like getting to know folks. Um, I did a lot of small talk, greeting candidates as they came in for interviews um, and really just kind of fell in love with with the culture and, and the idea of just just getting to know people, you know, Um then became a recruiter, did that for a little bit within Publicis, and then was realizing that my my passions and, and the things that I was getting the most excited about was when I was helping our younger talent. So I would always kind of pitch in and help a little bit with our intern program, whether it was interview scheduling or then ultimately recruiting for them, or our entry-level talent that we would bring in. And I really liked making connections with these folks that were still kind of shiny, right? They were still figuring out what they wanted to do and they were still kind of finding their footing. Um, and I really felt invigorated by that. And then when this opportunity to kind of join this talent programs team and really focus on kind of our internships and our early career hiring, I was like, this is perfect. This is absolutely perfect. That's awesome. And I know we'll definitely dive into the internship program and everything you're doing on the early career side. But just to give a little bit more context, can you tell me a little bit more about the company? What do you guys do? How many employees do you have? So I'm with Publicis Health, which is a part of the larger Publicis Group, which is one of the largest um, advertising, marketing, and communications holding companies in the world. Essentially, when you're in this industry of, of kind of advertising, PR, comms, um, and you look high up enough in the food chain, if you will, of like this company is owned by this company is owned by this company, everybody's kind of owned by about the same six holding companies, Publicis Group being one of the top three. Um, and then under Publicis Group, there are smaller holding companies, they're, we call them pillars internally. They're like centers of excellence that focus on specific areas within this industry. Publicis Health is the health and wellness specialist under Publicis Group. So we focus on that advertising marketing space for pharma and health clients. So we um, we have about 10 different companies that fall under our umbrella. We actually just launched a new one yesterday called Insagic, which is all about like insights and data specialties. Um, literally just press release went out yesterday. Um, so we're really excited about that one. Um, but yeah, we, a lot of it, what we do is kind of in that creative advertising space. So like full service creative advertising agencies that again, focus on the health and wellness side of the industry. Uh, Publicist Group, to answer your question about employees, Publicist Group is around 80,000 employees and that's worldwide. Publicist Health, if we're looking US-based Publicist Health, um, there's around 3,000 or so employees within the Publicist Health space. Okay, awesome. And 
tell me about, you know, I know you've got a huge internship program. You know, you guys are big on the early career side. Tell me about what that team looks like besides you. What's the makeup? Yeah. So it's gone through some shifts and some changes over the years. I've been doing this. I have been working with our intern program since 2012 in the role I'm in currently since 2015. Um, and at the current moment, it is me and one other person 100% dedicated to it. We have some folks that lean in on like a 25% capacity, taking on a couple of roles to recruit for. And we also utilize um, campus ambassadors when it comes to campus recruitment, like going on campus or doing virtual campus recruitment. Like we like to utilize our early career population that works for us, you know, get them excited about giving back potentially to their alma mater or just to the next generation of talent coming in the doors. Um, and we find that it really resonates with students as well, right? Like I can talk until I'm blue in the face about how great we are, but when they hear it from someone who is like, oh, that person went through what I'm going through right now two years ago and they came out on the other side, there's definitely like a, an impact to it. So actual team is like two and a half-ish people, but we bring in a lot of folks um, ad hoc to help out with stuff. It's important to connect potential hires with employees or people that have worked with you, regardless of tenure, what type of role they're going into. But I think on the early career side, I could even view it as more important because you have a lot of folks that this is going to be their first job. And so there's a lot of uncertainties around like just what the workplace is like in general. Um, and there's probably a lot of folks that might not really even be sure what they want to do moving forward um, or with their career. And so they're kind of in an exploration phase. And so having those ambassadors are almost like mentors for people that are already on campus and can help guide them and figure out, you know, if working for you guys is something they're interested in or maybe not interested and they need to go down another path. Um, so I love that you guys do that. What, um, so tell me with the internship program, two people, uh, how, how many people are you bringing on a year? Like what's the scope of the program? Yeah, so for this upcoming summer, we're bringing on around 35 interns that are going to be spread between New York City, Philadelphia, and Chicago. Um, it does vary year to year. Um, this is a little bit of a lighter year. We raised our intern rate, which uh, up to 20 an hour, which is so exciting. And I'm so happy that we're able to kind of be more competitive and be more on par with, I think, what college students they deserve when it comes to internships and things like that. Um, in years past, though, there, there was one year where we zoomed up to hiring 80. We had hired like 45 the year prior. And then all of a sudden we hired, I think the request was for 82 interns that summer, which was so bananas to think about. And uh, again, at the time, we had like maybe three of us in total. That, and we still wanted to be able to give like a high touch experience to people, you know, we had prided ourselves on no matter the size, still having people feel like they weren't applying and going into a black hole, you know, or they weren't doing a first round interview and then never hearing from someone like we really try to to be as transparent as possible and to be as communicative as possible with people. And that big jump was like, oh, boy, how do we do this? Yeah, lots of things to figure out when you need to scale by like double of what you did the previous year. Um, and so in order to hire, you know, whether it's 35 this year or, you know, 50 or 80 in years past, um, 
Like what's the typical applicant flow? Are you getting tons of candidates applying or what does that look like? Absolutely. So uh, we have seen upwards of 3,000 to 3,500 applicants in the past coming in um, for every role that, yeah. <laughs> now, some of those are duplicates, like somebody is applying to more than one position. But again, we're priding ourselves on looking at every single resume that comes in, you know, um, we, we usually get around per role that's posted. We usually get around 100 to 130-ish type applicants per role. Um, so it's definitely like a, a large chunk of people for sure. Yeah. So that, I mean, with two people, that's got to present some pretty big challenges, especially trying to deliver the experience you're hoping for. Um, that's just a lot of people that um a are entering your pipeline and b you're trying to give them a high touch experience and c the interviewing process is a little bit tricky because the reality is with folks that are in you know just starting their career you know one resume to the next is probably pretty similar um so what are some of the things and maybe you can walk me through what the hiring process would look like for an internship Absolutely. So I think um, there's kind of twofold answer to that. So when we are going through our applicants and looking at resumes, I think a thing that, um, because you're right, not everybody has five internships in this industry already. A lot of people are trying to find their first one. We're getting sophomores, right, that just declared their major and are still trying to figure out where to find their footing within this industry because it is a really broad industry. Um, so a thing that we're really um passionate about making sure that we look for as kind of the first line of defense of looking at resumes and we really impart on our managers who end up reviewing candidates down the line is looking for transferable skills. Really kind of looking and understanding based on what a candidate has done, knowing that they might be a sophomore in college or a junior in college where they don't have that like work work experience set. Really kind of understanding, okay, what have they shown on their resume from a school project? perspective that could be applicable to this? What have they, um, how have they articulated the the summer waiter job that they had in a way that kind of makes sense for the role that they're applying to? I think some of that onus does fall on the student to really kind of think about how they're articulating what they, what they have done. And again, I'll emphasize food service, customer service, retail, things like that, that you might think like, well, that was just like a job I had at the Gap. Like, I don't know if I should put that on my resume. No, put that on your resume. You are learning so many skills at those types of positions that are going to be so, so, so beneficial for you tomorrow, six months from now, four years from now. You know, you're learning customer service. You're learning how to diffuse difficult situations. You're learning how to manage a lot at once. These are all things that are super transferable and that you want to make sure that you're articulating that someone knows that you know how to do. But yeah, for someone who's thinking like, well, I haven't, all I did was work at the ice cream shop down by the store last summer. Like, no, that's awesome. That is amazing. Put that Put what you've done, you know? So I think that's part of it. And then again, on the flip side, we're in really, really imparting onto our people, uh, look for those transferable skills, understand that the work that they did in their business fraternity at school is going to be beneficial for you. 
in your position that you're hiring for. And you don't need someone who has seven internships under their belt already. You, It's so great to find someone who is new and fresh and who you can help mold, you know? So I think that's kind of the first side of it. If we're looking at the actual process though, when folks apply, again, we're looking at every single resume that comes in. We're looking for those transferable skills. We're looking to make sure that um, folks have uh, kind of known what they're applying for. A lot of times people just mass apply to jobs and you want to make sure that like it makes sense what you're applying to. It doesn't necessarily have to be hyper-focused because again, you're still figuring stuff out. But if you are a finance major, let's say, it might not make sense for you to apply to a graphic design position. Um, so you want to make sure we want to make sure that we're we're looking at folks under that lens too. Um, the folks that we like, we send a, an email to through our applicant tracking system, saying like, "Thank you so much for applying. We are uh, working on next steps, and we'll be in touch soon." But we want to verify a couple things with you, and we verify that they're able to work the dates of our program because we do have set uh, kind of guidelines around that. They have to be able to start on one day and on another day, um, and we also verify that they're able to work in the city in which the position that they applied to uh, in that office, because we have moved back into a hybrid um, work environment of about three days a week in office. So we're requesting that our interns do that as well. Um, so once we get them saying, yep, I'm good to go, then we actually send them a request to do a Spark Hire. We have been utilizing Spark Hire since 2016, since that year that things kind of blew up for us. And we went from 40 to 80 some odd intern positions. And we found that utilizing the one-way video interviewing capabilities within Spark Hire allowed us to still do a bit of that uh, more personalized screen without us having to take 30 minutes out of our day to talk to every single person. So we utilize it in a way that we have a welcome video and we have about six to seven video questions that intern, intern candidates are required to ask. We made sure that we had videos of people asking the questions because we know it's awkward to talk to your computer screen. And at least with this, they feel like, oh, someone asked me a question and I'm answering it versus here's something written on a screen. Let me verbalize my response. So we, um, again, send them that request. We give them about a week to do it. We review the Spark hires to make sure that um, folks have actually answered their questions, that things sound good. Um, we we understand, obviously, especially given the last handful of years, that people's home situations have been different with like COVID and working remotely and things like that. So we always make sure on our end and again on our hiring managers ends that um, there's no judgment around kind of what the background that they're in is like, because we don't know their living situation, background noise, things like that. The key thing is the content of their responses and making sure that they're actually answering the question. Um, we send completed spark hires and resumes to a manager to review. They pick two or three that they want to do a team's video interview with. And from that two or three, we hire a person. Great. So it sounds like you've got a really streamlined process, which you need to have with that volume and the number of people that you need to hire. You know, I think the one way interview for you guys solves the problem of 
if I've got, you know, 3,000 or 3,500 people applying, um, you know, and we've got to make 35 hires from that and we have two people, if, you know, I'm trying, if I'm, if I'm in your shoes and I'm trying to do phone screens, let's say with, you know, everybody that on paper, which again, on the early career side, a lot of them are going to look very similar. So if I'm doing phone screens with everybody that based on paper should make it to the next step, there's just no way from a time to hire standpoint that, you can meet your deadlines um, or you'll have people that will drop out and find something somewhere else because it just takes too long um, to connect with you guys. So I think that was a really smart move you made, especially when you needed to scale up to 80 plus intern hires um, for a single year. Now, when you guys are interviewing uh, these candidates, what are the types of questions you're asking to you know, evaluate them on those transferable skills? Is it mostly behavioral style interviewing? Yeah. Yes. So with the specifically with the spark hire based ones where they're they see a pre-recorded question and they're answering, um, there's some basic ones like obviously get the easy stuff out of the way first. Tell us your name, where you go to school, what year you are, what you're majoring in. Um, we ask a question like what are why are you applying? for this internship and what are you hoping to get out of it? And what are you hoping to contribute? Um, but then it's a lot of behavioral based, like tell me about a time when you were on a team in a difficult situation. Um, tell me about a time you had to use a creative solution to solve a problem. Like what was the setup? What happened? Things like that. Um, and then for some of our more um, like niche specialized roles, we'll ask like our creative roles, like our design or copywriting ones. It's like, what's your favorite creative thing that you've done? Like, what's your favorite creative project that you've done? Um, what do you we also like to ask them, like, what do you like to do outside of class? Like, what are your hobbies? Like, what else do you like to do in your spare time? Um, but for the most part, it tends to be behavioral based. And then when we're doing the live interviews, the team's video interviews, we have an interview guide that we send to every manager that has the different competencies um, that we evaluate folks on with suggestions of behavioral based questions tied to each competency. Got it. And yeah, I mean, I think the behavioral questions are key to your point. You know, candidates that are applying to work for you guys should be thinking about the experiences that they have that maybe in their mind, they're like, oh, well, I just worked at the the ice cream truck or whatever. Right. Um, but, you know, thinking about those experiences and reflecting on what did I learn during that time? Um, not only is a story that they can tell on their resume, but then a lot of those situations become applicable in the actual interview because they can pull from the experience that maybe, yeah, it wasn't at another internship at a relevant company, um, but it's a relevant experience that can show they've dealt with certain situations um, you know, that would be relevant when they enter the workplace with you guys. Absolutely. I always chuckle because so often the, the well that folks pull from is, uh, a group project in school. Uh, that's, oh, that's a lot of times, especially the tell me about a time when you were on a team in a difficult situation. A lot of times people pull from the unfortunately very common well of, well, we had a group project at school and so-and-so wasn't pulling their weight. We had to have a difficult conversation with them and all that. And it's just like, yeah, that that's unfortunately that is something that like you have to learn how to do when you're in college and it's something that you have to learn how to do when you're in working and it's something that's so applicable for your entire career yeah yeah i always think about that like when i think back at my college experience i was an econ major like i'm not an economist now um you know so 
I think, you know, you learn a lot of good stuff in your classes, but I think what, at least when I look back on my college experience, it was more about like, I learned how to really study and how to manage my time and how to build processes for myself and build discipline. Um, and, and those are some of the things that I, I find most relevant today. Um, you know, I learned how to work on a tight deadline because, you know, maybe I, you know, didn't feel like I knew as much about a certain subject in class. So I had to, you know, study, 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 cram, 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 um, and figure it out. And I think, you know, those are the, you know, and then, you know, like you said, work on group projects, stuff like that. But those are the experiences that people can pull from that might not be top of mind when they're thinking about writing their resume and starting to apply for jobs. Um, so I like that you say that because I think there's some value there for, you know, if there are any early careers folks that end up watching this, on just some tips, especially in today's market and how to really differentiate themselves, but also, you know, stand out. Um, because like you said, there's thousands of people that are applying for some of these roles. Um, so I think that's a real critical thing. Now, when you're, you know, talking to candidates, early careers, um, what are you finding? You know, I know you've been doing, you know, doing this, uh, you know, been using Spark Hire and you've been doing this for, you know, seven years of Spark Hire, 10 plus years at Publicis. Um, so things have certainly changed, I'm sure. But like in today's market, what are you hearing from those candidates that, you know, things are most important to them? What do they care about? Yeah. So I think the the sort of candidate marketplace, when you think about the pandemic, has has shifted, has not shifted in certain ways, but also really shifted a lot in a lot of ways, you know, because I feel like in my time of doing a role like this, I constantly sit there and think like, I I was good in college, but like college students today are so much is being asked of them. They have to accomplish so much. They have to be uh, the president of this club and, and do all these things and spread themselves really thin, you know, but I feel like with the pandemic, it's really exhausted folks. I mean, it's exhausted all of us, you know, but I feel like it's something so different for college students right now um, between the pandemic, between um, uh, social unrest that's been going on and, and discussions around all of that. Um, I think folks are looking for a place where they can make a connection. I know there's obviously a major discourse about returning to office, you know, and, and I know people who skew both sides of that coin. And I, I completely like understand and respect folks who want to still continue to work from home. I personally am, am, am a social person. I also live alone. So I like being able to go into the office and interact with people. Um, but again, I fully understand people on the other side of that discourse as well. But I think with current college students, they have been doing everything in their dorm room. You know, they have been going to class in their dorm rooms, they're sleeping in their dorm rooms, they're doing their homework in their dorm rooms, they're doing their virtual internship in their dorm rooms. Um, they're not getting some of the soft skills that I think we all sort of take for granted that we just sort of learn how to do over the course of life. And they haven't had the chance to just sort of learn those in, in the wild, if you will, you know? So we are finding that when we talk to them about how we're, we're transitioning back to three days in office, they're like, oh my God, that's great. I love that. I love that. And even last summer, we had a one day a week in office requirement and they were like coming in on their own two or three times a week. So they want to meet each other. They want to meet, if not their direct manager, then people on their team. They want to have those 
tangible connections like that, that are not as, they're not impossible to do virtually, but they're not as natural to do that. So I think that's a key thing that I'm finding, um, especially in the last year and a half or so. Um, and then the, on the flip side too, they really connect with companies that do more than just like the work that keeps the lights on, you know? And I think um, I obviously can talk about how great Publicis Health is until I'm blue in the face, but I think that is something that I'm really proud that Publicis Health has been able to do for a while is have that uh, really strong and really outward commitment to corporate social responsibility so that people, whether it's interim candidates, whether it's full-time candidates, they can see that Publicis Health does more than just the work to keep the lights on. Of course, the work to keep the lights on is so important. That's what gets us the money to keep things going and stuff like that. But there is a really strong and concerted effort to do volunteerism, to do some nonprofit work, or to work with organizations that promote awareness around things. So I think that's that's become um, even more of an emphasis for candidates in these last handful of years as well. That's interesting. What I'm surmising from that um, is that it sounds like the candidates that you're talking to, they want to be a part of something. Um, they want to be a part of a community from a goodwill standpoint, like is the company doing the right thing and have strong core values and, you know, participating in the community and moving forward good causes. Um, but also they want to be part of something somewhat socially or from a teamwork standpoint or a collaboration standpoint. You know, I, I always thought about it from the other way, like, okay, there's a lot of candidates that, you know, they're coming out of school and for the last couple of years, all of those folks, they've been working remotely. They don't know anything other than a remote work environment. And I never thought about even beyond that, some of the students have known have known virtual class, you know, studying on their own, social distancing, like it's been a very you know, isolated few years. Um, and so from my perspective, I always made the assumption of like, oh, like students that are coming out that, you know, have only worked in a remote workplace, they're never going to want to go back to an office. But and, and there's some people for sure that are that way. But it's interesting to hear that there's a whole nother subset of that group that's craving that that's like, this is you know, what I've been doing for three years, I need interaction, you know, I need that energy, I want to um, collaborate and be in person with my team members and build those relationships. And ultimately, it ties back to wanting to be a part of something. Um, so if you think about that, like, how are you weaving that into your messaging and the way that you're interacting with and communicating with candidates throughout the hiring process to make them know that you're that type of employer. Absolutely. I'll answer that. But one thing, I, this it was mind boggling to me when I thought about this, kind of going what you're saying about like current college students and stuff like that. Current college juniors started college in the fall of 2020. Isn't that like bananas to think about? Like they current college juniors started in the fall of 2020. Their first year of college Obviously, dependent on where they went, but for the most part, their first year of college was not really a first year of college. It was fully virtual. When they became sophomores, it was like freshman 2.0 because they finally had the chance to to do some of the quote unquote normal college things. Isn't that weird to think about? It's it's a bizarre time. I mean, there's no other way to put it. Like, there's just yeah, that that is strange to think about. 
Oh, I know. But anyway, to actually answer your question. So we are out and about either. I've been able to do some in-person campus recruitment over the course of the last year, which I'm incredibly, incredibly thankful for. Um, but also a lot of the virtual uh, recruitment as well, still using Handshake, using Brazen, things like that for um, for various events and still getting in front of a lot of people. And I think the key thing is that um and also, like on the Publicist Health website on the internship program page, we feature a lot of uh, photos that are specifically from volunteerism things that we've done or from their presentation that they do at the end of the summer. So I think from a visual perspective, like the hero image on the Publicist Health internship website is a collage of in-person connectivity type things. Um, and we have, for when we're physically on campus, I have a one-pager about the internship program that's kind of the main photo on it is from a volunteer thing that we did in New York. So again, we try to have that visual representation in there. Um, and from a talking point perspective, we just always make sure when we're running through the specifics of programs, nine weeks, full-time, five days a week, 40 hours a week, 20 an hour, you work on site getting kind of hands-on experience, but at the Pupil to Health level, we bring do learning and development sessions. We go through all of that. And then we say, and also uh, we have a volunteer day that our interns in each city take about a half day, three quarters of a day and go off site and volunteer at a local organization um, to give back. And I talk a little bit about what last year's organizations were and how we're still working through what this year's will be, but we're absolutely still going to do it again. And then I talk a little bit about our group project which for the last handful of years has been creating um, campaigns and engagement strategies for various nonprofits that we work with as an organization. So doing things for the Skin Cancer Foundation a handful of years ago, doing things for um, NAMI, the National Alliance on Mental Illness, last summer. Um, I can't necessarily give specifics on last summer because it's still active client work, but an organization that raises awareness around the cancers, and specifically they were working on awareness campaigns for the HPV vaccine to get college-age students uh, back on track with getting that vaccine because HPV is such a nasty virus that affects uh, more than just folks that have uteruses. Um, so really getting them, them excited and back on track to do that. So really them understanding that that is really weaved into everything. That's great. I think from a variety of angles that helps. One, by just setting the expectation from both like the information you provide, but also from all the content and things that you guys put out there to attract people, you know, you in some ways are getting candidates to self-select in or self-select out, right? There's some folks that it's like, you know what, in-person isn't for me, I want virtual, da 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 da, -da. this isn't for me. And so whether that's pre-application or whether that's post-application, you have the subset of candidates that just leave. Um, which then leaves you with the candidates that are self-selecting in because you're so transparent with what the expectations are, but also through all of your content, what the organization looks like and some of the things that you guys are doing, the people that do opt in and continue down that path with you are folks that, um, or at least you would hope, right, are you know, the most engaged people that are craving that type of environment, um, which gives you a better, more engaged talent pool to work with. Is that, would you say that's accurate in what you're actually seeing? That's just my assumption. Completely, completely. I think um, working in health, especially to your point about self-selecting out, even working in health isn't for everyone. Um, I think uh, people need to consider it potentially a little bit more, but sometimes you can be looking at, um, 
some heavier stuff, right? Depending on what the specific client that you're working on is working on to treat. Um, but knowing that you're doing something that's impacting someone and that someone has, uh, like someone needs what your client is putting out there in order to live their day-to-day life. I think that a special type of person wants to pursue that. So that's definitely a part of it. And yeah, to your point, we absolutely are seeing more engaged folks. We're seeing people who, um, after their internship are still following up with us saying, we want to work for you. Can I do an internship next summer? When do you start hiring? I'm really excited about wanting to work for Publicist Health again or one of your agencies. And then kind of even a a step away from that, we're seeing folks that maybe weren't selected to be a part of our internship program, but saw the the journey and saw kind of what could have happened and saw what did happen for those that were selected and went, you know what? Even though I wasn't selected, I still had a really good experience in this interview process and I want to apply again. Or I want to keep in touch with these people to hopefully work full time um, when I do graduate college. We absolutely see a lot of repeat folks. One of my favorite former interns who uh, now works for us, uh, she interned with us back in 2017. She had gotten really far along in the process in 2016. She was the top two and the hiring manager selected the other person. But she decided to try again the next year. And she's ended up becoming one of our um, favorite alumni that come out of that. That's a great story. And, you know, I think with you guys, when you're getting thousands of people applying and you have a limited number of spots, the reality is there's going to be more people that you want to hire than you can actually hire. Um, You know, especially, you know, from year to year, you know, one year you need 80 people, another year you need 35. It's a pretty big difference and you're still getting the same applicant flow. Um, so undoubtedly, like if you were able to hire, let's say 80 people the year before, um, with the same applicant flow as that you're getting this year, there's certain people that just, they're going to be the silver medalists. Um, and you know, you're touching a lot of folks that are silver medalists that to your point is a really, really strong pipeline because those are people that you could still be really, you know, see being really successful at your organization. And because you gave them such a good experience throughout the hiring process, even though they didn't make it, they still want to become part of your organization. Um, and so I think that's one thing that a lot of companies don't consider, uh, you know, especially when they have a big pipeline and there's just some people that they unfortunately can't move forward with because they only have so many spots, you know, they're going to have to hire X months later, X years later. And, you know, those people, if they had a good experience, are going to keep their eyes on the company and those that didn't are not. Um, and it certainly makes your job a lot easier if you've got people already warm in the pipeline for the next time you hire because of the experience they had with you previously versus starting from scratch. Completely. And a thing too that I always like to kind of to boast about a little bit is that uh, when you think about kind of the pipeline coming out of our intern program, whether it's to your point, like people who were hired or people who were those silver medalists over the years, those people are still in contact with me. I've been working doing stuff with them for 10 years. I still remember my people from 2012. Um, when we were looking at some of our hiring data from last year, from 2022, um, I don't remember offhand the exact number of hires. It was quite a couple hundred that we hired last year. 10% of those hires were from campus recruitment pipeline and former interns and things like that. So that's a good chunk of a really large like year of hiring, you know, and, and 10% came from what we've done. 
Absolutely. And I also think about the fact, like you said, you've been doing this since, you know, 2012, let's call it. Um, so, you know, 10, 11 years, let's just say on the low end, you know, 40, you know, 40 interns average per year um, over 10 years. That's 400 people, give or take, obviously. That's a lot of people, though, like if they had a good experience, not only in the hiring process, but most importantly, as an intern for you guys, like that's a lot of people that you can leverage from a social proof standpoint, um, from a ambassador standpoint, a mentorship standpoint to help you in the hiring process for the next season. Like you've got 400 people potentially to call on or to use in content if they're willing to do so. Um, are you guys doing much of that? We definitely try. So I think when when we're recruiting for the current crop of interns, we usually go to last year's class and ask them to help spread the word and potentially the year before, just because we're looking at folks who are still either in school or still connected to their school very closely. Um, so we'll utilize a year up, maybe two years up to really do that. Um, when we... Uh, put out kind of calls to action kind of as a larger publicist health organization though our interns are always the ones that, like from that like 400 plus like you were saying over the past decade or so um we always see the biggest chunk of them come in like we launched uh, I guess it was about two years ago at this point, we launched our alumni newsletter where like we started, like we put out calls to action of like, did you ever work for Publicist Health? Do you want to like learn about what we're doing and like business opportunities and potentially like job opportunities to come back and get people like this boomerangs? Um, and we had it included in um, exit interviews for people leaving the organization. We shared it on LinkedIn for our networks to, to kind of see and sign up for. And when we were were initially looking at the list my coworker was like like 20 of these people that came in over the first day are all former interns I'm like yeah I'm not surprised because they like love being engaged still because again they come with that positive experience and then um we had so a couple years ago uh, we learned about an organization called way up doing a thing called the top 100 intern programs and they started that i want to say in 2017 maybe um and we learned about it the next year and part of that is public voting where you can vote on an organization to hopefully get them into the top 100 programs and i like sent out mass emails to all of those people that I saw had connections with the people that worked for us that I saw the connections with posted it on LinkedIn being like, Oh my God, please. Um, and we were able for, for two years to get recognized partially because of, of that public vote component. That was me being like, Oh my God, please, if you love me <laughs> and you, and you remember me and you still think I'm a good person, like, please vote for us. Uh, that's great. I love it. Well, there you go. That's a perfect example of using, you know, the massive amount of people that have had a good experience with you guys, um, you know, years and, and you can go years and years back and, you know, they develop this social proof for you that now you can go and for the next internship season, it's like, hey, we're a top hundred or whatever it is internship program, according to this site and that site. And this is based on real reviews from people that were sitting in your shoes, you know, just a year ago or a few years ago. Um, so that's great. Uh, Lori, this has been awesome. Um, you know, I think this has been really helpful for me. I've personally loved learning about your story and everything you guys have going on over there. You guys are definitely a mighty team of two uh, to be running the type of program that you guys are running. And, um, you know, I know that people, whether they're hiring folks for early careers or not, uh, are definitely going to find a lot of value in some of the insight that you shared today. So 
Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This was great. Thank you so much. 